0: I mean, I first saw it because like a crush I had online was like, this is the best zombie movie ever. And I was like, oh boy. And it was, it wasn't the best zombie movie no. ever, but it was notable because my crush said it was really good. And it did like, I saw it before pandemic and then I saw it after pandemic. And I was like, "Ooh, existential loneliness. Am I right?
1: Welcome to Scream Queen, a podcast about scary movies from
0: people not typically depicted in scary movies. I am melting, basically. Mm -hmm. How are you doing?
1: Uh, you know, ditto. I'm staying hydrated, though. Mm -hmm. I am -hmm. not parched.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I like your Psycho Goreman T-shirt.
1: Oh, thank you, thank you. I I like it too.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, We're gonna pour one out. Uh, we're going to cry with y'all, and we're going to end this in an international way, because this is our international episode. Yeah, we're keeping
1: it international. Mm-hmm. All right, Tommy. All,
0: All right, right, so this week, I want to pour one out for Gold Shifty for Ahani as Sarah in Night Eats the Worlds. This, I felt like, was a a, a really good entry into the... Uh, zombie genre. This is a French film. Uh, you know, this man attends a party. Uh, he gets locked in a room. Um, he's at a, He's has to deal with an ex, and then he wakes up, and all hell breaks loose. The world has suddenly turned to zombies. The night ate the world. And the reason why I wanted to pour one out for Sarah is because he spends most of this time, and I feel like I. I Watching this during the pandemic, I felt it a little bit extra because he is completely alone. You know, like, so this gets into a little bit of the quarantine anxiety. You know, like, after a while, his food starts to dwindle. He has no social interactions. It's uh, unlike, I think there's, like, that that Korean movie, Alive, or something like that. There was, like, a similar theme where, like, you are locked in your apartment. There are no other survivors. There isn't a group. There isn't a community. There isn't any kind of, like uh, there there isn't any kind of society to be part of or return to. And one night he hears something, he thinks it's a zombie, he shoots buckshot, It lands on this lady, her name was Sarah. She is the first human that he's seen the entire movie since the beginning of the movie. The first actual human that he's seen. And he accidentally shoots her. He nurses her back to health. They have some kind of friendship.
1: (laughs) Sorta. They
0: have some kind of friendship. She says, don't you want to get out of here? He says, yes. And then he wakes up to realize that his entire relationship with this woman Sarah was a figment of his imagination and actually he had killed her when he shot her three fourths of the way through the film. And I just thought that was a punk ass way to die. Like, I liked the idea of imagining her being alive and maybe them finding another life or them getting to another rooftop or whatever, but like, The reality of the fact that he had like made up this entire relationship in his mind was kind of a gut punch to me. I'm not going to lie to you. Like she he never nursed her back to health. She actually died of her original wounds. And it was I mean, and she's a woman of color. And it was like, oh, you got to do her like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they did. That's what they did. They did it. What did you think of this film? Were you scared by it?
1: Did you think it, it was? It was a great concept. I, I'm not really into films like this, but for a film that hardly had any dialogue, it was very. Uh, it, it kept me captivated. Um, very original. A lot of the concepts. They had Homeboy in there. He's in a lot of those uh, Leos Carax films. Those weird experimental films. He was the guy, like he he became like his zombie friend or whatever. He, his name's. Dennis Levant I don't, I don't what did it what was his name in the movie like Arturo or something like that yeah bitches yeah <laughs> <laughs> I yeah I kind of enjoyed that weird relationship um I forgot about the film like I had seen it before and it didn't leave an, an impact on me you know maybe it's just because I don't know just I watch a lot of shit but this time it actually left uh somewhat of an impact
0: I mean, I first saw it because like a crush I had online was like, this is the best zombie movie ever. And I was like, "Ooh boy. And it was, it wasn't the best zombie movie no. ever, but it was notable because my crush said it was really good. And it did like, I saw it before pandemic and then I saw it after pandemic and I was like, "Ooh." existential loneliness am I right
1: yeah you really like picking out these films I don't know what <laughs> your deal is <laughs>
0: it's like we're
1: already living this but it left oh, go scars. ahead it left scars okay
0: thanks uh, for bringing it on us but anyway yeah so we pour one out for you Gold This for Ahari Asara uh, Asara in Night Eats the World
1: all right Um, our main discussion, we're talking about La Llorona. Uh, This film was nominated for an Oscar. It it was, and uh, it deserved that, you know, that nod. It was, it was a deep story, actually. It's it's about, It was um, really fucking good. Yeah. It was really, beautifully shot. Yeah. It's haunting. Like, like they they found all the elements of like, how to portray like this, this ghost element to the story. And, um, they, they really get you into the culture of the Mayan culture and what the, what the people went through, yeah. um, just through their words. You have to have a lot of patience, but you want to listen. The It's like this ancient language that they're speaking. So it's like you to, to even have the opportunity to hear them speak this language. It's, it's like precious. I feel like... W- w-
0: Drea and I actually wound up watching this together. It was the fir- one of the first times I'd hung out with somebody uh, in the quarantine. And I feel like we were just kind of like flipping through movies to potentially cover. And we just kind of started it. And then five minutes in, it was like, no, we're watching this whole thing. Because I felt like it It was so, it was like, wait, is this the, you wrote, like, is this the, the American La Llorona? The Curse of La Llorona? It was like,
1: we kind of like, no, I, I knew the difference. You thought it was the curse. And yeah. I and I yeah, and, and a lot of people got those mixed up.
0: And I was like, I kind of want to watch that movie again. And then this one started and it's so here's the thing, it's like the it's it's about the like indicting a war criminal for the Mayan genocide in Guatemala, right? And I feel like that was a really novel way of intertwining this ghost story and making it like one with real world stakes. So it wasn't just like some weird goofy family, and also with like I think with the senility of the main character, or like not, he's not the main character, but the senility of the dictator, like his shaky general, grasp, yeah, yeah on, on on reality, kind of intertwines with this like, is it a ghost? Is it not a ghost? In in a way that I think was evocative of like, um, the oh god, what's that movie? With the ghost and the lady and the thing and the. Oh, that one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the turning of the key, right? Which in that story, is the main character crazy or is there a ghost, right? That was like- Well, yeah, he
1: has Alzheimer's. So you don't, mostly everybody just believes it's just, yeah, he's just going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Every time he's like following homegirl around the house and <laughs> they walk in on him and he's got a full on Woody. And, oh God. and they're just like, this motherfucker. <laughs> first, he shoot at me. First, first, he shoots at me and almost like, knocks my fucking head off. Mm-hmm. Now he's trying to attack what would it seemingly attack the housemaid.
0: I I didn't see boners. I guess Drea is looking for oh, old man boners. Oh, there was a damn boner. I oh, guess Drea is old man. I don't be looking at old man boners. I guess Drea be looking at old
1: man. Boners. We know you just <laughs> like boners in general. And, and just go back one episode and count how many times Tommy mentions dicks. I didn't even.
0: <laughs> it wasn't me. It wasn't
1: me. Oh, that was another Tommy.
0: Uh, the the another thing that I really liked about this, well, because like you've got this element of it's it's um mostly told within the confines of this mansion. Like, basically, the general is effectively under house arrest because he's being indicted for these crimes but also there are humongous throngs of, of protesters outside. You never really escape them in the movie. Like at a low decibel level you can kind of always hear them and that kind of grows and then like they start throwing shit through the window so there is this other added tension of like this outside threat while something inside the home is also threatening which I thought was like a really cool
1: innovation of, like, a ghost story. And-, and the introduction of the main character who, uh, the new housemaid who arrives, she cuts through that crowd. They couldn't have chosen a better character to play this. Like, this woman, her face is gorgeous and just hunting and her long, flowing, dark hair. Um, you know, they really want you to understand that there's something going on with this chick. It's blatant. And when, when what you effectively find out towards the end uh, is that this general killed this woman and her children 30 years prior. So they take you back to that scene actually his wife gets inhabited by her and she ends up taking out her husband uh when she's inhabited by the spirit. And you know, it kind of does them all a favor. I mean, really. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. But it was I mean, I didn't see any of that coming. Like we knew she was a ghost, like sure, but I didn't really know what the connection was and for it to go to that. Yeah. You know, cuz he doesn't know if he's fucking losing it. And the whole time he's, he's like petrified because he knows this face. Mm-hmm. And so when you go back and look at the film again like that, which I did yesterday, I watched it again. It, it, it's like a d- different, uh, it, it's a new way to watch the film because you can see him going through like, oh my God, what the fuck?
0: And you're right. It is also just so beautiful. Like the cinematography, like mm-hmm. when they're doing the interrogation or like the, the witness sta- statements yeah, with the, the Mayan women and, and their, the their wardrobe veils. Oh, and it was so good. Oh
1: yeah, shot beautifully. I mean, it looks
0: like a million dollars. Like it looks expensive as fuck. It looks so well rendered. And I feel like there's a there are even things that if you if you looked at them in the trailer, they looked supernatural. But it was actually, for example, like when they're blow drying her hair, and it looks like it's just floating, and then you realize like somebody was behind her, like blow drying her hair. I thought those moments were really well done and unexpected. I didn't actually, I don't know, Dre. You're really good. I think a lot of times when we watch movies together, at figuring out the end by the midpoint. I feel like you're always like, oh yeah, because they're going to do this, and I'm I'm never like that. And I didn't feel like I could predict anything about this movie.
1: No, no, it's because it's coming from a a a real place. It, it's not just some made up hocus pocus story. It, I think that's why we couldn't just predict it. Um, also, it was just written well. Mm-hmm. Um, I for them to have me until the very end, I I commend them. I.
2: Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
0: What do you think about um, the sympathetic daughter, like the, the, um, the general's daughter, who was like sympathetic? She's like very neoliberal white woman. What about her? Like, she presents herself as an ally right to 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 the to the main character to to the ghost but she's also oh she's terrible she's also a part of the machine that oppresses these people
1: when she's talking to her daughter uh she's like the daughter tells her that she has kids and she goes oh so young oh you know natives they have children they have a lot of kids very early and then she her daughter corrects her and doesn't correct her She's just like oh yeah they they're dead and then her mom's like <laughs> mm. she's just like i'm a fucking asshole basically mm. And, um, and her mother, Jesus. I mean, her mother's a Her mother's straight disaster. up evil. Yeah. Evil. And yeah, they couldn't have found a better person to play that. She should have got shot in the beginning.
0: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I honestly thought he did shoot her in the beginning.
1: Yeah. No, no. That opening was, it was scary. You thought she got her head blown off. But yeah, she, <laughs> she dug just in time.
0: But there is also this idea of the, so the, the natives in the film who have to work for them are kind of, you know, crossing the picket line because they're, I mean, what are you going to do? They need work. They, they, they're endemically poor, right? They have no other alternative. So they have to go work for this evil white family who killed their people. And by the end, they're just like, we can't even do this anymore.
1: What happens is as soon as he gets indicted and gets back to the house, that's when they leave. And then the housemaid comes in. So all of them take off after that. They, we, they said, we want our benefits and we're going to go. Cause, and they're like, even based on the fact that, yeah, we we're leaving this a, a steady job. We're going to go back to poverty. It's better than being around somebody that, you know, like you killed my people. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I'm here cleaning your bathrooms and shit, mm-hmm. like, cooking you food. Fuck that.
0: I also thought that sort of penultimate sequence I mean I'm just gonna keep talking about how beautiful this movie was, but like that sort of penultimate sequence when she's in the water, in the lily pad and the thing and like the there that it's hard for me to watch these things because I've I've been on set and, and Dre, I know you have set experience and it's just like I wonder how many times it took to get this take. You know, like how many times, because like when you're watching a film like this, in most films, it's easy to just seem, it's easy to think of them as things that just happen. But then when you've been behind the scenes and you know, like, okay, reset, and you put it all back together and you have them jump in the water. Sometimes I'm just like, how many takes did it take to get this thing? But it was still done so beautifully. Like, it seems like an impossible task sometimes, but it, I, I felt like it lent to the um, ingenuity of the film.
1: I mean, just based on the fact that the story came across so flawlessly, it maybe that lends to the fact that the actual filming of this was just as uh, fluid. That's how it comes across. It mm-hmm. Seems like everything just kind of fell into place. Like Homegirl in the movie, like she's she's a ghost. <laughs> she's like, I believe that bitch is a ghost. <laughs> yeah, but so beautiful. Uh, beyond. I mean, beyond.
0: find a flaw. There is none.
1: Try to find the name of the writers. Uh, buh, 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 buh. Okay, here we go. Uh, it's the same director and, and then Lisandro Sanchez. Uh, so, Jairo Bustamante and Lisandro Sanchez, co writer. So, Good job. shout
0: outs. This is a great one.
1: All right. Uh, our scream queen of the week. This is a good one. This one is fucking dope. Comes out of Indonesia. Uh, it's Miss Tara Basro as Maya in, in Uh This one is, it, it's completely caught me off guard. Oh my Another God. Another really, really cool story. From beginning to end, this film is fun. It is bloody. It's well acted. Uh, Homegirl is, she's hot. First yeah. of all, she's so she's a she's just a badass bitch. Um, she's strong. Mm-hmm. Like she comes across so damn strong. And also check out her Instagram. It, it's really it's cute. And her boyfriend's really fucking cute, oh, okay. too. They're okay. like they're mad cute together and very stylish. Um, So, yeah. So basically she is she was adopted or or she was raised by her, her relatives. And one night this opens up with her at like a what is it, what is that called? Like a. A uh, toll? A toll booth. Yeah. And uh, also, I love the relationship between her and her homegirl, Denny. It's like very like Puerto Rican, like, like the way they're talking to each other. It's like, hey, girl, like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she's and, the homie.
1: Yeah, she's the homie. She got and like She's like, hold up. And she puts her phone on speaker like, I, I'll get back to you in a second. You know, just very much that energy. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I know these girls. Like, these, I, I trust these girls. Um, they want to start a clothing line. They want to start a clothing line. They're hustlers, um, and anyway, the, uh, this guy is creeping her out that at her toll booth. Me. That oh, really it's, scared it's, it's an, me. It was scary. terrifying. It's very scary. So he's creeping her out, and she tells her friend, and her friend's like, "Well, girl, like, is he leaving?" And it looks like he leaves, but he parks, and then comes up to her. <laughs> and I don't. Okay, this is the only, one of the parts where I was just like, "What the fuck." He walks up to the window and he's like, are you so-and-so? And And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about or whatever. But he recognizes her and and then he goes back and then he brings out a machete out of his trunk and then starts walking back to her. She locks everything and then I'm trying to understand.
0: That reminded me of body bag, to be honest with you. Remember that homegirl in the tow booth and body bag? It had vibes like that.
1: Oh, for sure. And he leaves, comes back with the machete, and that's when she runs out the booth. And it's close. Like yeah. he almost gets her ass. Yeah. And it is scary. Yeah. Like that whole opening sequence is terrifying. And that was
0: just and that was just like regular real world terror. That's yeah, not yeah. supernatural. That's not like somebody coming no, to get no, you no, an ate no. a zombie and an ate a vampire. It's just a man with a knife.
1: Yeah. And he, he also takes that machete and he opens up a wound like that was already there, a scar. He just cuts it open. And he doesn't get a chance to get in there. Later on, she goes into that wound and finds a piece of paper, and it says something, and it's written in Javanese, mm-hmm. which is an older language. Um, so she ends up going out to where she was originally from, where she was told that her family was from, and they find um, a graveyard full of children. Like they're all these babies have died there the same day they were born, and uh, and then she sees that her family was the owner of that graveyard. Mm-hmm. And that their names have been covered up. And... Well, and she brings her homie mm-hmm. to, back home. Denny comes with her. And Denny... And the, the, she has the common sense. She's like, you know what? These people are creeping me out. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking we need to get the fuck out of here. And you know
0: what happens to people with common sense in movies like this? They
1: die first. Yep, yeah. Right yeah. They're the first to go. And, and Homegirl made the, made the mistake of saying that she was uh, a Raichu or whatever her name... She basically... Uh, she stood up for her friend in a way, like she thought she was protecting her, but ended up getting herself killed. And like, and, a, and the grandma took her out, like just slid her throat, hung her up and slid ooh, her throat like a chicken. That
0: was brutal. It
1: was fucked up. That and was grandma brutal. was, from get-go, the, you could see something was off with grandma. Mm-hmm. And like, cause she had that weird twitch in her shoulder. Mm-hmm. And that's the first thing I noticed about her. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. It, it, there's this curse that's gone over in, into this this village where all the children are born without skin, and and they can't exist that this way because if they do, they just live a life of pain. So they end up drowning the babies as soon as they're born, and it's really it's really it's intense. Really,
0: I mean, it's like as soon as they're born, like yeah. they take them out the mom and then take them out the world.
1: Yeah, and you have to hear like this whining sound of the baby. It's very like it affects you. Like you feel it in your in your Chest. Yeah, it, it's yeah, like yeah. a lot, Um but it turns out I'm trying to. Okay, so the story is. Do you understand? Well, there like, was like a pack, some kind of pact with the devil. So the grandma was the housekeeper at the house, and she had a baby with the king, mm-hmm. an illegitimate baby. So later on, he's the the prince, that kid. And
0: the, 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 the grandma grandma has a weirdly incestual relationship with her son.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She was, so she was jealous and put a curse on him because of the relationship that he had, and she, basically she's she's the the bitch behind everything. Mm-hmm. It's because of her. It's not because of this family. And once they were able to f- sort that out, you know, it's the damage is done. You know, she's already destroyed so many lives. And what she tells that man
0: mm-hmm. is that what's his name Soptity, that he is her biological yeah. father. Yeah. And then he kills himself and then grandma kills herself.
1: Yeah. Uh, How that all added up, I don't recall. (laughs) Well, there are these things that are made of
0: the dead children's skin.
1: Yes. There's those puppets that Mm -hmm. she makes and then she buries the puppets. And that was part of the curse. But it's like, why did she start the curse again? It's because she was gonna lose her son, right? No, no, she was gonna lose her lover. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So she put a curse on them and their firstborn baby. Mm -hmm. And then it never, that's what it was. Okay, solved it. It was
0: engrossing. It was ambitious. It was completely fresh. I loved it. I loved our scream queen. You know what I mean? She did her job. It just sucked that Daddy had to get
1: killed. <laughs> I was super not for that. Yeah, but hey, at least they took her out early. They didn't do some rude ass killer at the end of the, the situation mm-hmm. when you think she's going to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was a great reveal. Like when they, when you figure out it's grandma who's kind of behind it all. Also, when she... When uh, Homegirl finally gets out of there, it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre style. She gets she jumps on the back of a truck and she's fucking gone. Mm -hmm. And it's I dig that. That's a really cool like tribute.
0: Yeah, it was it was definitely it definitely wore its its references on its sleeve in a way that made me really appreciate because it was obviously a film by people who love scary movies.
1: Yeah, yeah, and good job coming out of Indonesia. It's fucking rad. So Tara Basro. You are our scream queen of the week. Uh, Look forward to seeing you in some other shit, girl.
0: Yeah, come on now. (laughs) (laughs) Gross. Excuse me. You're not excused. That was another successful episode of your favorite podcast, Scream Queen. We are produced by Alex and Kenya at Domino Sound. I am Tommy Teebs Pico. You can find me at Hey Teebs, H E Y T E B S, on Instagram because I quit Twitter.
1: And this is Drea Washington. You can find me on the gram at Hey Girl Hey. That's H E Y G R L H E Y.
0: And you can find our podcast on the gram at Scream Queen Podcast. And in the scary movie of your life. You better scream. Scream Queen!